to the Wild Wisdom Podcast with Dr. Patricia Mills. I'm Dr. Patricia. This podcast is for people who want to transform their health, restore their hormones, and reconnect to their body's natural wisdom. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia. I'm a Canadian medical doctor, published author, internationally recognized researcher, and passionate advocate for your health. Here, we'll explore the intersection between ancient wisdom and cutting-edge science, distilling the essence of true health into practical steps you can take. Wild wisdom is instinctive knowledge in action. Thanks for making this part of your day. So you're interested in doing an elimination diet, but you want to know how to reintroduce foods the right way and what to watch for so you can experience success with your experience. I mean, you have just uh, dedicated at least four weeks to eliminating foods, a lot of which you love, and you want to make sure that you're reintroducing them the right way. Hi, and welcome to the Wild Wisdom Show, hosted by a medical doctor with a different spin on women's health. I'm Dr. Patricia Mills, and one of my superpowers is taking a very complicated science and distilling it down into easy to understand information and actionable strategies that you can start implementing right away to experience benefits in your health. And today we're gonna talk about the elimination diet, which is such a key um, tool for your health journey. It certainly was for mine, because when you can identify the food sensitivities that could be causing a lot of your health concerns and you eliminate them from your diet, it is amazing how good you can feel. So let's dive right in. If you're joining me live, please feel free to put in your name and your comments. I look forward to hearing from you and uh, let me know if you have any questions. So there's a few steps that you need to um, understand and a few key uh, pieces of knowledge in order to introduce foods the right way in the elimination diet. And the first piece is that you have to know the time frame for which food sensitivities develop, like how long it takes for them to go away once you stop the food, and uh, how long it takes for uh, those uh, signs and symptoms, the experiences that you feel and you see in your body to come back. So what we know is that for food sensitivities, which are unlike food allergies, food sensitivities are called delayed reactions. They don't show up right away, like a food allergy, like a peanut allergy, you will know right away that you are having a problem with that food. Whereas a food sensitivity is um, regulated by a different part of your immune system. It takes longer for it to act. For those health professionals, it's the IgG antibodies, not the IgE antibodies you see with food allergies. And that can take anywhere between a day, usually on average three days for as long as seven days and sometimes longer, but usually no more than 10 to 14 days for a food sensitivity to develop. So let's say you have a problem with um, dairy. You're not allergic to it, but you have a food sensitivity, let's say, to the whey or to the casein or to the lactose. And you introduce that food into your diet you may not see that right away. You might see that problem develop within about three days of eating that food again. And if you don't know that, that can be very confusing because you may actually think that it's okay to reintroduce foods like day one. So you've done the elimination phase for four weeks to six weeks, let's say, maybe longer. Sometimes people do that for longer. And now you're introducing your food and you introduce your milk and all of a sudden, uh, you know, you introduce your milk on day one and you're like, I'm great. And then you introduce 
uh, gluten on day two and you're thinking, I'm great. And then day three, you introduce nuts. I'm great. And then on day four, you start to feel unwell again, like things start to show up again. The health concerns that went away while we're on the elimination phase are showing up. And the thing is, if you have been introducing foods any, any faster than one new food a week every seven days, you won't know which of those foods caused the uh, food sensitivity reactions. So then what you have to do is you have to eliminate all of those foods again, start from scratch, wait until your body settles down again. Um, because what's happened during the elimination phase is that, especially if you've had any food sensitivities, your body's feeling great. You know, after about four weeks, uh, it takes about four weeks for food sensitivity reactions to settle down by about 50% in the body. Um, so that's, you know, that's the four, why the four week mark is important, right? So you at least get better by about 50% if you're having a food sensitivity. And um, if you're, uh, so if you're reintroducing foods too early before the four week mark, you may not know, you may not get that really clear indication like, wow, these health concerns that I was experiencing was due to one of the foods I eliminated. And now I want to discover which of these foods uh, was the culprit. It's either going to be one of them or a couple or maybe a few more. And in order to get a really clear idea as to what foods are, um, you know, contributing to this problem, you want to introduce one at a time, one week at a time. So week one, you reintroduce one food. You wait for seven days and you're really paying attention for that three to four day mark to see if anything is popping up. And if anything new pops up, um, you know, something that disappeared during the elimination phase, then you're going to have a lot of confidence that that food that you introduced was the culprit. And now you know to eliminate it, not forever, but at least for three to six months from your diet while you allow your gut to heal uh, longer from being, you know, having more time away from that food. And then in the future, you can reintroduce it and see if you can tolerate it then. But for now, you know that you're not tolerating that food. And by having it out of your regular diet, you're not going to experience the health concerns that it's triggering. So that's uh, knowledge piece number one. Knowledge piece number two is that you need to know when you're reintroducing foods on after doing the elimination phase of the elimination diet is that there is a difference within food groups in terms of how you can react to them. So let me give you a very concrete example, again, sticking to the dairy example. So for example, if we take milk from a cow, um, and you drink the milk. The milk has not yet been naturally processed. It has not been turned into butter, cheese, fermented to, to become yogurt. It is in its most unprocessed state. It has been pasteurized, but that's, that's it. It hasn't then been turned into something else. So you may have a uh, food sensitivity to milk, but you may actually be more tolerant um, of, uh, of the downstream products such as butter, cheese, yogurt, or you may not be okay with milk and cheese, but you can be, you're okay with like a really good quality, you know, fermented yogurt with no added chemicals, preservatives, or sugars. So, you know, you need to, when you reintroduce foods, it's not like you're reintroducing all dairy foods in one week. If you really want to figure out like, I'm, I'm not okay with milk, but I'm okay with butter. I'm not okay with milk and butter, but I'm okay with cheese and even cheese right there's um very chemically processed cheese like uh, you know the 
the orange, yellow, the yellow cheddar cheese, the, if the yellow is coming from a dye, like a food colorant, you could actually be reacting to that. Whereas maybe if you get one of those really lovely, um, you know, European style, um, unpasteurized cheeses with all of its raw enzymes, like a good quality brie or gorgonzola or anything like that, maybe you're okay with that cheese, but you're not okay with the ultra processed cheddar cheese. So again, you want to really divide out the foods and introduce them one at a time so that you can really understand. And it's worth doing this. And you might think, wow, it's going to take forever for me to reintroduce foods back and understand this. That's okay. And the longer that your your gut has to heal, being off of these potentially in, you know, um, inflammatory foods, because when you have a food sensitivity, it causes inflammation in your body. Um, it gives your body a bigger, a longer chance to heal, and it increases the chance that when you do introduce a food, you're going to um, be better able to tolerate it. The other thing is that you want to reintroduce a food, um, you know, in the way that you're going to eat it. So if you're going to eat cheese every day, right, as part of your regular diet, you'll want to introduce it every day for a week. But if you're like, you know what, I only want to have cheese, you know, once or twice a week, then introduce it the first day that you're eating and then introduce it again a couple of days later and monitor over that week how you do. Because the dose matters with food sensitivities. It's not like you eat it and you get a reaction necessarily. The smaller dose of that food may not bother your body too much, but when you get into larger doses like daily cheese instead of the occasional cheese platter at a party, you know, the, the response could be different. So you're gonna wanna play around with how you want to uh, reintroduce your foods, okay? And the dose that you want to introduce them through. And in the personalized diet uh, solution book, I give some really good examples of how you can do that when you're reintroducing your foods. The other one that you want to know, the other key piece of information is that you, under, you want to understand what body parts can be affected by uh, food sensitivities and why? Because some people think that food sensitivities, for example, only affect the gut, right? The, oh, I'm looking for bloating and constipation and diarrhea, and that's all I'm really watching out for. But actually, because of the connection between the gut and the brain, the gut and the skin, the gut and the joints, the gut and the immune system, so in, in uh, research, it's called the... Um, gut brain access, the gut skin access, the gut immune system access, access being that connection point. So you can find this in research. I mean, it's everywhere. And I can actually share with you a really great um, study that was just done in 2021, looking at the current knowledge of the interrelationship between the gut microbiome, the organisms living in the gut and our skin. And the fact that when we have um, problems with foods that we're eating affecting the quality and health of our gut microbiome, it affects our skin. And you will be able to find the same things, um, you know, with uh, the brain. So uh, you need to understand that there is a connection between all those body parts. So food sensitivities can show up throughout the entire body. So you really want to, um, you know, be understand that or else you're going to miss that a certain health condition that you're experiencing or health concern that you're experiencing got better, right? And you're like, oh, I'm feeling better. This is great. And then you reintroduce foods and you lose that wellness that you're experiencing and you don't connect that to the fact that you reintroduced a food and you're experiencing that. 
So the next piece that tags on to that is that you want to be able to identify all of the signs and symptoms that you're looking for. And I'm going to give you uh, um, a few, you know, kind of examples, trying to go from top to bottom. Um, and it's not going to be an all-inclusive list, but just to give you a really good idea. So starting with the brain, because of the connection between the gut and the brain, you experience right, improvement in your brain fog, improvement in your memory and the way that your brain works, like uh, remembering names, for example. You might experience improvement in your mood, like less depression, less anxiety, less manic episodes. There was a study that showed that 20% of schizophrenics who underwent elimination of wheat, not gluten, but wheat, which has more than just gluten in it, 20% went into full remission without medications. I mean, that's crazy. That means that 80% did not have wheat as a root cause of their problems, but isn't that incredible? Like the power of food and what you can experience as a result of learning what works for you, personalizing your diet, it's phenomenal. So really paying attention to anything related to the brain. And that also includes sleep. So, you know, are you, are you feeling better in terms of falling asleep and staying asleep, having deep sleep, being feeling well-rested when you wake up, your energy levels through the day? Are, are they consistent? Are you getting better energy through the afternoon? Have you lost that afternoon slump in energy? Um, in your skin, again, relating back to that study that I showed you, that study showed that there's connections with the gut and eczema psoriasis, acne, even dermatitis of the skin that is related to contact, atopic dermatitis, um, psoriasis, I think I mentioned that before, but any kind of skin condition, um, and even skin cancer, actually, the study was um, mentioning, which I found very interesting. Then moving on to the joints, because the joints and the muscles, because the um, immune, the gut and the immune system are closely connected. The immune system lives in the gut. 70% of our immune system lives in the gut. Um, when you eliminate a food sensitivity that could have been interacting with your gut health and therefore affecting your immune system health, you're going to experience less inflammation in the body. So that could be experienced as less joint pain, uh, less uh, muscles and aches. Even if you have a condition like fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome, do those feelings and sensations experienced with that improve. Um, you know, so it's really quite amazing how all those things can get better. And yes, monitor the gut for sure. Bloating better, um, you know, digestion, diarrhea, and maybe your weight is improving as well because sometimes weight gain uh, is to do with inflammation and water retention rather than a calorie surplus problem, right? So monitoring your weight as well. And the last piece of information that you want to know about this, and if you're attending live, please put in your comments uh, in the chat. Uh, if you want to attend live in the future, join my free Facebook group for women called Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills. You can show up live and ask your questions. I'd be happy to have you. And there's so many more benefits from joining. Daily resources are shared, and it's a really fun group of health-conscious, like-minded women. So the last piece of information is you want to use a weekly tracker. Because, uh, you know, otherwise you're going to lose track of how you were feeling before you started reintroducing and then as you're reintroducing and you want to like write down like this is the day I reintroduced this food and this is how I prepared this food and this is how um, this is the kind of food like it was a cheese and this kind of cheese and this amount and all these days. And then you track your body signs and symptoms, as I mentioned before, all the way from the top of your brain, all the way down into your muscles and joints. Uh, and you want to, you know, really track and see 
how have I been doing? Because if you start to notice a deterioration in your wellness, you want to be able to go back and be like, oh, okay, well, within the last seven days, seven to 10 days, I reintroduced this food or these two foods. Maybe it's this one or these two. Let me like exclude them. Wait for a week or two to get better again, right? Whatever unbalance showed up, let that settle down. And then reintroduce that food that you think was the culprit and see, does that happen again? If it happens again, that food is a problem for you right now, not forever, but for now, right? And in my next episode, you know, my next few episodes, we're going to be continuing to dive into the elimination diet. And I'm going to be giving you some additional uh, pointers on terms of like things you can do by accident to actually um, wrongly introduce foods in a way that you get a reaction, but you actually could tolerate that food if you had done it properly. So that's coming up in a future episode. But for now, you do want to understand that you want to identify those um, the culprit because you don't want to miss out on a food being the one that's uh, one that's causing some of your health concerns. And so, and the last thing is that you identify food that's causing your health concerns. You still want to continue with the food reintroduction because I have never met a person who just had one food sensitivity. Like it's usually at least a couple. And the reason for that is because one of the root causes of food sensitivities is a leaky gut or increased intestinal permeability, which means that a lot of undigested food particles have been getting through into your body, causing that immune system to react, which then causes all of the body manifestations. And so, yes, your gut has been having time to heal during the elimination phase, um, but chances are you're still going to be reacting a little bit to some of those foods and you want to, you know, really identify them and eliminate them for at least three to six months to give your body more time to heal and then reintroduce them at a future time so that you can identify, okay, now has my body healed enough and uh, my gut lining healed enough and now I can tolerate these foods or am I still having a problem? And it's not just the gut lining that needs to heal because the lining of the gut actually heals very quickly. It's the immune system response to the fact that you had a leaky gut and food sensitivities that needs time to settle down. And for some people that can take a while. So I hope you have found much value out of this. If you enjoyed this uh, episode, please feel free to share, save, subscribe. Uh, this is the way that we get people that we love to feel better, to look and feel their best for life. Um, so sharing is caring. Please let me know if you have any questions in the comments. If you're catching this as a replay, I'll do my best to answer. And doesn't look like I have any questions today, which is uh, wonderful. Looks like I've answered all of your questions for all of the viewers today. Thank you for joining. And I look forward to seeing you in my next episode. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, evening, or night. And I'll see you soon. Bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, Wild Wisdom with Dr. Patricia Mills. If you like this podcast, please take the time to like and subscribe. And please feel free to leave any comments and look below for the contact information if you want to connect with me directly. Thank you. And I hope you have a wonderful day, evening or night. Hi, everyone.
everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for a professional care doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for help in your journey, it is important that you seek out a qualified health practitioner. If you would like to work with Dr. Patricia for her expert health transformation guidance, please email her at info at drpatriciamills.com to book a discovery call. You can also find Dr. Patricia on Instagram at Dr. Patricia Mills and Facebook at Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, MD. For access to all of Dr. Patricia's educational videos and more amazing perks, consider becoming a Patreon member. Links are in the description of this episode. It is important to have an expert in your corner that can help you make the changes you crave, especially when it comes to your health. 